Breakfast Benz podcast. Tim Benz with you as the Pittsburgh Penguins get set to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning again tonight. Joining me right now to talk about it is a Pittsburgh alum. You heard him with me on ESPN Pittsburgh. You've heard him here on the podcast many times before when we're talking Tampa Bay sports, specifically about the Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network host, host of Power Lunch as well on the app for the Lightning. It is Greg Linelli. Gregors, good to have you on again. How will the Tampa Bay schedule conflict with your A-10 viewing to see your Dukes, no doubt, (laughs) make it to the final? Good for the Dukes. Good to be with you, Benzie. Yeah, this is always a good thing when the alma mater can be competitive. You and I were talking about this off the air. Well, I wouldn't know anything about that. I went to Syracuse. So. (laughs) Well, when Jim Beheim's not knocking Pitt for things that he does. He's giving uh, up 90 to Georgia Tech. That's what he's doing. (laughs) It's It's good to see Duquesne have some success. It's really been a roller coaster ride, uh, even when I was there with, with Ron Everhart. But, you know, it looks like they have that that ship going in the right direction. The only question becomes, Ben's you going to be able to keep any of these guys with just how weird college athletics have been now with players being able to go wherever they want? Yeah, and if that happens, can you bring in a bunch of transfers that coalesced as nicely as these guys did? I just know this, Gregors. Uh, I'm doing the games for ESPN+. Plus. Uh-huh. And uh, I heard my own voice on ESPN twice this season talking Duquesne basketball. Uh, it's incredible, isn't it? Once for Jimmy Clark's dueling buzzer beaters in the same game, and then the real event, the guy <laughs> that wandered onto the court from Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I did, I did see that. What happened? I mean, was it just as... It was a prank. No, it was a prank. Um, everybody thought it was real. The whole country thought it was real. Gregor's... That led every morning show in the country. It was on ESPN. It was on Fox News. It was on CNN. It was on the three networks and all of their closed or cold opens. It was on .com. It was on CNN.com. It was everywhere. Duquesne hasn't had a run like that in I don't know how long. And here they are, a 20-win team. Actually, maybe they should be thankful. Maybe that was like, you know, pixie dust sprinkled on the UPMC Cooper Fieldhouse. Who knows? (laughs) It's the greatest prank of all time. And it happened to 2K. Good stuff. <laughs> I love it. Well, Tremendous. which team that has acquired Nashville Predator talent will make up uh, a better roster and uh, have a better effort in this game after what we saw the first time a couple days ago when the Lightning got waxed by the Penguins, after when the Penguins got waxed by the Edmonton Oilers? I, I actually thought the Lightning were going to chew up and spit out the Panthers because yeah. they were so mad. I expect the same thing to happen this time. I would imagine there's a measure of revenge on the mind of the Lightning after that game that they played here at PPG Paints Arena. Yeah, and I think they they want to get back on track. They haven't played particularly well over the last three or four games, and the Pittsburgh game might have hit everybody in the face a bit, but even the game before that when they were playing against the Red Wings, a lot of people who watched that game, including me, felt like it was... Andre Vasilevsky's one of his top three or four performances as a goaltender in the regular season. He's been fantastic. He was tremendous. Had there not been another goaltender in that game, Detroit probably comes away with a win. So, I you know, it's it's interesting because the dog days of the hockey season, I think, are hitting Tampa Bay right in the face. I do think when you've had as much success as they've had over the last three to four years winning cups and getting to Stanley Cup Finals – you do look at the regular season a bit differently than some of these teams who are positioning themselves for a playoff push 
So I think it's one of those situations, Benzie, where the ebbs and flows of a season for Tampa Bay are probably catching up with them. They do want to finish strong, but we've seen this team not finish strong in the regular season and have really good success. And I think it's also a combination of playing against some teams, as you know, because Pittsburgh's one of them. There's a level of desperation maybe that they're not matching that in some ways is understandable. Yeah, we saw that from the Penguins at times. I mean, everybody sort of talked about that in 2010 when they had gone to -to back-to-back finals and then lost to the Canadians in the second round. I don't think that really came to fruition per se when they lost to the Capitals. I just think it was the Capitals' time. But, yeah, I I know what you're talking about. Is is it fatigue at all? Like you think coming off of so many late playoff runs, is that it? Could be. Yeah, it could be for sure. You know, I think I I think that's always a factor. I think for a lot of us who would poo-poo that idea, I, you're probably not dealing in reality. I, I think fatigue can be a factor, which is why I think the players won't say it. But preserving yourself for the right moments makes more sense. I mean, look, they're not in any danger of missing the playoffs. They're going to be firmly entrenched as the number two or number three seed in the Atlantic Division, which means they're probably playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you know that, especially for the last month or so, you're probably mentally being and getting prepared for that matchup. Well, I made reference to this. Tell me what you think. Because uh, you, know, you for, from Pittsburgh, you follow the Penguins. Uh, you keep tabs on all the Eastern Conference. But tell me what you think of the two moves that these two teams both made relating to acquisitions from the Predators. Um Let's start with the Pens, then we'll go to your team, the Lightning, that you're covering now. Uh, did the name Mikhail Granlin come up at all in Tampa Bay for anything? Like, was this on anybody's radar there or or no? It might have been more who? <laughs> <laughs> so I think with Granlin, you and I were discussing a bit. It, what's funny is when that happened, my dad texted me and he said, what can you tell me about Granlin? I said, pretty good player. I uh, had some good years. In Minnesota, and actually last year, points wise, wasn't terrible. I said on the surface, yeah, I said on the surface, I think they're better than what their bottom six currently has right now. I think that's fair to say. But then when you when you read more about Granlund, that contract is awful, and they they did all of this movement, whether it was getting rid of Bluger whether it was putting McGinn and Friedman on waivers to free up some cap space and just having Kapanen by the luck of, you know what, being claimed off waivers by the Blues to have that free cap space to work with, I think a lot of people probably were saying you needed more than him. And so I think that's probably where the disappointment comes from too. Does he make your third line better? Again, on the margins, probably he does. Because the third and fourth lines, as you know and your audience knows, it's been probably the biggest weak spot for Pittsburgh this year. So I don't know how much it helps them in the long run. I do think when you factor in all the other moves that have been made in the Eastern Conference, it does look small, and no pun intended, with Granlin. But I, I think it's it's underwhelming probably for Pittsburgh fans. And I'm curious, you know, what, what the Crosbys and the Malkins and the Latangs are thinking when they see all these other moves that were potentially made. And even Mike Sullivan, who wanted apparently Chikrin, is this the best you could do at the time 
And was this the last move Ron Hextall is ever going to make as general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins? That's probably a, a deeper question and probably a fair question, though, too. Greg Lanelli with us, game day host for the Lightning Radio Network, host of Power Lunch as well. Pens and Lightning, a quick rematch of the game that you had here at PPG Paints Arena last week. Uh, Gregors will be a part of that broadcast on the Tampa Bay end, formerly with me here at ESPN Pittsburgh, a longtime friend and colleague. And Gregors, I, I think something else that comes into play with the analysis of Granlin is he's not Jacob Chitron who would be a really nice addition to the blue line and ended up being acquired for less by the Senators, who, by the way, are getting better and creeping up behind the pens. And I think that all that analysis has crept into why people aren't more happy with the fact that at least they got a guy who fit the bill of what they thought they were going to get, which is an addition to the bottom six. For sure. And... You know, for for Pittsburgh, how does he make them better? How much better does he make Pittsburgh in the bottom six? Is he going to contribute offensively? He's going to bring some speed. I saw Brian Metzger, your good friend. I know you do some work with him. Mentioned, can you get maybe the same impact potentially that a guy like Carl Haglin could bring in? Maybe I, I don't know. I think you know Grandon might be actually a little bit better of an offensive player, but we'll see. You know if that plays out. And does it move Carter to the wing? And if that's the case, then do you become a lot better on that third line? So I, I think you have some options. I think Drew O'Connor's probably there to stay, which is a good thing. I think he's been pretty good for, for Pittsburgh. Uh, I think where so many people are frustrated, before I get to Tanner Janot and, and what he's going to bring to the Lightning, is that you were hamstrung so much by moves you couldn't make with players maybe down in the minor leagues who could help you, that when you freed all this cap space up, maybe you still have some of those same issues when maybe you you didn't need to. And, you know, you wonder if that's going to affect Pittsburgh bringing in some younger talent that you could have had down at Wilkesbury to come up and maybe supplant some of these guys who weren't producing on the third and fourth lines. I think that's probably something that in the offseason there needs to be maybe some self-reflection uh, on that point. Uh, Tanner Janot. Yeah, let, let's let's get to him because uh, I just want to yeah. know: like, are people in Tampa now wearing Los Angeles Rams gear all over the area? I mean, like, is this an f them picks kind of thing now for Tampa? It was what Cal Foot, a third, a fourth, a fifth this year, and then a second and a first in 04 and 05, right? Yeah, I mean, look, my first inclination was, and look, I, I've been somebody who has has said, go for it. I, I don't really care about draft picks. I, I, I don't really care too much about the prospects. I'll give you my reasons for it. But th this is what you do when you're ready to win. I, you know, and it's paid off for the Lightning. They've won back-to-back -back cups a couple of years ago. They made it to a third straight Stanley Cup final in an era where there's parity and a cap that's not supposed to happen. And when it does, and you kind of have that unicorn-type team... You keep it afloat as long as you can. And I know people will look, well, Greg, what's going to happen in five, ten years? So what? Who cares? Can you? Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? We're worried about what's going to happen in five years? Please, enjoy the ride. Pittsburgh fans probably feel the same way when the Penguins were really at the top. I mean, the Lightning are in – it is the greatest run in Tampa Bay sports history. And you take advantage of it. So if I have to give up a draft pick in 2024 
or 2025 to maybe overpay for a guy who I think is not only going to help us this year, I'm probably going to sign him to a long-term contract in the offseason. He's 24-25. He's big. He's physical. He's fast. He can fight, score 24 goals. Actually, probably would look good for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the type of guy you need to address. And here's the reason. The Lightning can do this, giving up draft picks, giving up some prospects, because their core players are not only locked in, but for the most part, Tim, they are young. You've got a young goaltender. Don't have to worry about that position. You've got basically your top four defensemen are either really young or in the prime of their careers. Your top six, outside of Steven Stamkos, is basically 26 to 28 to 29. Uh, yeah, we can well, Greg, in three years, those guys, you may have to do something. Uh, that's three years from now. Let's focus on winning now. And Julian Breeze basically confirmed that. Your bottom six is what you're tinkering, tinkering with. They got the Blake Coleman's, the Barkley Gridrows, they had the Yanni Gords. And those guys become expendable at times. But look what they got last year at the trade deadline. Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. And you look at what those guys are providing for them right now in their bottom six. And now you bring in Tanner Janot. The Lightning not only got younger, they got better. Because those guys are going to get signed to a long-term deal. So the draft pick thing, it's, it's the way you do it if you're a franchise who's going for it. And you need to embrace it. Lastly, Greg, what are you doing these days on your show? Are you basically beyond the trade deadline anyway, doing playoff preview for the first round with Toronto already, and then second round Atlantic final preview with right. Boston, and then Eastern Conference final preview with Carolina? Because <laughs> the map just seems so clear for the Lightning. They're going to play Toronto in the first round. They're going to get Boston in the second round. They're probably getting Carolina in the third round. Is, is that kind of what you're doing at this point? Well, I, <laughs> I'm not going to look that too far ahead. I mean, Toronto for sure. I think that's that's set. And in stone. Boston for sure, if they beat Toronto, <laughs> maybe. I mean, like, no, look, people will say, who's going to beat them? Oh, the the Penguins? Like, what are you worried about? Like, Michael Granlin going nuts and taking out Boston? <laughs> now look, or Jan Ruta? Yeah, the revenge game. Maybe that yeah. could be a revenge game. But he was I basically think... Jacob Chitron without the headlines. They couldn't play him because of the cap. Which, again, is, is maddening. Is maddening. I think if you're... And the Penguins have had a little bit of a history with that. Jim Rutherford, oh, yeah. I remember his first year, basically going with five defensemen. And that was, that was a bit of an issue. That can't happen. And that's the other thing, too. When you take a look at the Lightning, they've been able to do a good job of, of working the cap. And it's really become a big part of, I think, any team's management uh, aspect of, uh, of what they're doing. I, obviously, Toronto is going to be that team. I mean, if, unless something dramatic happens, I, I can't see it. Toronto almost beat them last year. Toronto's got a really good team. The question I have with Toronto, what do you have in net? Now, I asked the same question about the Colorado Avalanche last year, and maybe they proved me wrong with, with Kemper being good enough, but I think it was more about how Colorado played in front of them. But Toronto, they upgraded at a lot of different positions. They've got the experience of getting into the playoffs. Hard to believe they haven't won a first round in quite some time. 
but what do you have in net? You could almost say the same thing with Boston. And I know people are going to look at it and say, well, maybe, maybe Olmark is, is this good? You might be right. But doesn't that give you a little nervousness heading into the playoffs if you were a fan of Toronto and Boston with the goaltenders that they have? No, maybe. Maybe not. What if they see that version of Matt Murray as opposed to the Matt Murray that they saw from the Penguins? You know? I mean, like, and what are the odds of Matt Murray being able to last through a best of seven? And I, I guess with, with Matt, it's it's more of his really good hockey, it feels like, was so long ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's been either injuries or just inconsistent play. And look, goaltenders deal with it. Players do, too. I get it. You're not going to find a number one, legitimate number one in today's NHL, it feels like, anymore. It feels like there's maybe three or four teams that really have it. Everybody else is kind of like whoever's hot. It's just, it feels like a lot to ask for an organization who has big expectations when it comes to a goaltender who has been so inconsistent. But that's where they are. It looks like the Lightning, uh, now if they do see... The Bruins will see Bertuzzi as well, I think. But as we're talking here, he got acquired while we were talking, right before we started recording, right? Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. I like him a lot. That's a good move. I mean, for a first round pick and a fourth round pick in well, a listen, couple of years, like 2024 and 2025 picks. I mean, he's he's young enough, too, where there's there's an opportunity there. And again, I don't know exactly what his his cap number is. Um, He's a very good player. I think he was having maybe a bit of a down year. But, I mean, how many moves has Boston made now? I mean, we know they got Orloff, right? Mm-hmm. Hathaway from the Caps. And now you're telling me they got Bertuzzi. I mean, th- the question with Boston was always, did they have enough depth scoring? And it, it feels like they've they've done a pretty good job of addressing that. Yeah, and Taylor Hall, I think, went on LTIR for um... – Okay, which makes sense then yeah, for them to, yeah. to be able to make that move. That creates $6 million in space. There too, you go. So there it is. There you go. All right, Gregors, uh, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Glad you could join us, as you so often do when we get set for Penguins and Lightning. Um, do you think you'll be able to fly into Columbus for a first-round game for Duquesne after they win the A-10 tournament and then get back down again for the next Lightning game? I, I will Jeez. be there. I will be there for that. You are going to be there for that? Yeah, well, I actually have tickets for the Columbus region regardless. So, Ooh, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, um, you can crash in the no Airbnb chance. if you want. <laughs> I'll bring my kids. I'll oh, bring good. My kids. That'd hey, be fun. That'd be fun. Let, let them run around in German Village. We'll find the more them eventually. The, the more the merrier. <laughs> Game day host of the Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network, host of Power Lunch. It is Greg Linelli. This is Breakfast with Ben's. Thanks, Gregors. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it.